When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and making his official debut on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You heard his voice earlier this week, but now he actually gets to talk more about what we saw on the field. Irie Harris joining us here as uh, the Browns losers in their second preseason game, 21-20. But, of course, that doesn't really matter much. Uh, It was a day where they didn't play many starters. Neither team did, the Eagles or the Browns. And we got to see a lot of backups, so let's hand out some game balls here. And Mary Kay, why don't you start off? Give us your first game ball. Well, I think the first one should go to one Joshua Dobbs for another really good preseason game. This was his big audition, an opportunity for him to prove to these guys that, hey, you don't need to go find some new starter out there uh, that can be Jacoby Brissett's backup. Uh, I can do the job. Now, I, I do believe that they still will do that. I think that they will look uh, in these final cuts for another veteran backup, somebody who's got some starting experience under uh, his belt. But Joshua Dobbs in this game and last week has done everything that he could possibly do to make them believe that he can be the guy. In this game, he ran really well. He had a 36-yard run. I just got done writing about that where uh, – The defender uh, ripped his T-shirt and gave him a nice crop top. Um, And then that set up his touchdown run. And uh, and he he moved well on the keepers, the bootlegs, and those kinds of things. I mean, he's a dual-threat quarterback, but he also made some nice throws. Um, He fit a nice tight uh, ball into Michael Harley for an 18-yard gain, and he made a few other uh, nice passes. Again... It's, it was the battle of the backup, so you can't read too much into it, but he's definitely someone worth keeping around and developing. So, Ashley, I think this is what impressed me most, because, Mary Kay, you talk about the long run, and I think we saw some scramble drill stuff in Jacksonville. We saw some of that improvi- improvising, getting out of the pocket, making plays, and that's part of his game. But I thought there were a lot of times today where he was in the pocket. He seemed under control. I mean, he just sort of looked like a quarterback is supposed to look. And I think that, you know, again, even though it's not going against the best of the best out there, it does matter that he kind of looked like a guy that wasn't just making it up as he went. He was he was delivering accurate passes. He was on time. He was running the offense. He was working from the pocket. There were good things to see today. Yeah, and for people who really, like, enjoy X's and O's and film breakdowns, I believe this was, like, the whole crux of Lance Reisland's story with us a few days ago, that Josh Jobs can do, like, he has that reputation, like you said, right, Dan, of being able to scramble and be athletic, but he does a lot of other things really well, and you've kind of seen improvements with that, Um, and I think today was ultimately the highlight of that. And like Mary Kay said, he made a really good case for himself of why he should be here. And time and time again, we've heard from Kevin Stefanski that between him and Josh Rosen, he felt like Josh Dobbs was ahead, quote unquote, if there was a position battle for that third quarter back spot in the roster because he's been here longer. And I think you're really starting to see that with the way he's, you know, keeping some of these plays alive, especially. 
Irie, what did you think of Dobbs today? He was uh, sensational out there. I mean, he legit looked like he was in his natural habitat. He just looked so calm and collective out there and really led the offense well. If you look, every single point scored, even if it wasn't by him alone, it happened because he was out there on the field. Even if it was a simple field goal by Gabe York, it happened because he was able to go out there and create opportunities within the offensive schemes given. So I think he really made a great case for himself out there to be the next backup. Uh, and who knows, we may even see him get some more extra playing time, maybe even a couple starts soon. Yeah, so that, that's what I wanted to ask each of you is you know, Mary Kay, you mentioned, it is on the table that the Browns could go out and find another veteran. And, you know, we're always on Jimmy Garoppolo watch <laughs> on this podcast. Going all the way back to, like, 2017, <laughs> we're always on Jimmy Garoppolo watch. How comfortable would you feel right now if week one Josh Dobbs was the backup? You know what, Dan, to be honest with you, I do think that they should make a strong run at Jimmy Garoppolo if he gets cut by the 49ers. I think that gives the Browns two legitimate, bona fide, quality starters on the roster in the event. I mean, it's hard to get through 11 games without getting injured. In the event that Jacoby Brissett would go down, you would know that you have someone who's been there, who's taken his team to the Super Bowl, who's taken his team to the NFC Championship game. So I would be on the phone with the 49ers right now uh, talking some kind of deal. uh, And in the event that they don't want to do that, I would try to seize the moment if he gets cut. Uh, I just think it's important to have uh, just those two guys. And, you know, I, I think you owe it to your football team. You owe it to your fan base. You owe it to the organization uh, to, to have a really good number two in place. What we saw today from Jacoby, from Joshua Dobbs was really good. But we must remember, he's attempted only 17 mm-hmm. passes in the NFL. He's completed 10. He does some really cool things, but he doesn't have any experience. And I think that's risky. I mean, what what if Jacoby Brissett goes down in the second game? Yeah. You're talking about nine more (laughs) games after. I mean, the whole season could be hanging in the balance here. So I think you need to have the two best guys that you can possibly get on your roster at quarterback. I agree with that. I I think – as great as Josh Dobbs, the story is, and as cool a guy as he is, and maybe the Browns did stumble onto something here. Maybe they they do see something that no one else has seen in, in his career to this point, and maybe he's just going to thrive in this system with Kevin calling plays, although it was Alex Van Pelt <laughs> doing some of the play calling today, um, but with Kevin calling plays and just you know strong run game, strong line, for some of the same reasons you think Jacoby Brissett can have a better season maybe than he's had in his career. I still think you're risking it. It's a big, big risk. And Ashley, we've talked about this over and over again. You throw this year away, that's another year of Miles Garrett in his prime, another year of Denzel in his prime, another year of Joel Batonio, now 30 years old. Like, you are getting to that point where you can't keep throwing away these seasons. So as much as you love Josh Dobbs... If there's a guy out there, you almost have to consider it. Yeah, and that's why I said, you know, I agree with Mary Kay 100%. I think if the price is right on Jimmy G, like, you have to do it. Now, I'm still at the point where I'm not willing to give up a ton of capital on him, given everything they had to give up, obviously, to get Deshaun Watson here. And realistically, you would need Jimmy G for 11 games. You don't even need him for this full year, in theory. Um, But if the price is right, sure, why not? And first of all, Mary Kay and I have sat next to each other today for like eight (laughs) hours in the press box, and we must have ESPN now because she said what if Jacoby gets hurt in the second game and I was sitting here thinking like can you picture like this is the preseason 
Josh Dobbs hasn't had to really play against anybody yet. Can you picture him going up against that Steelers defensive front in week three? That was all I was thinking about before she said that. Honest to God. Honest to goodness. But um, I, I just think, even though as much as I love Josh Dobbs, I do think he's an amazing story. I think he's shown what he can do. I think he deserves a spot on this roster. You can't, I don't think, trust him enough at this point, given the lack of experience, to really rely on him for a long stretch of your season. Are we all wrong, Irie? Or are you with us? <laughs> I, I, I am in agreement. Uh, I think, honestly, I was in agreement when the OG to the left of me, Mary Kay, said what she said. I was like, yeah, that's... Definitely accurate. Uh, confidence is everything, but I do think, just in general, not just in football, but I think in sports, as fans, we start to kind of ride and just just go crazy when a certain player, whether they have low experience or whether they're a rookie, they go crazy in a, in a preseason game, an exhibition game. That doesn't count on a record, whether it's the summer or going right before into the season. So we always kind of use that as the basis of what they can do in the season. But what some people are not taking into account with Dobbs is, all right, he's doing this against the backups for, for the Philadelphia Eagles. How about when he's playing against the Timothy Buccaneers defense? How about when he's up in Buffalo and it's the fourth quarter and they need him? How about yeah, when playing against some of these divisional teams that are going to go out there and they'll try to take his neck off? It's not the same. So we can only say on what we've seen right now, but we can't wait until he's actually playing the all-pro defenders in front of him, not the backups, respectfully. And you, you know what else about this I think, you guys, that I think is important to note? If something happens or if the season doesn't go the way people want it to, I think the Browns need to show that they tried everything mm-hmm. that they possibly could. They have already put the fan base through a very difficult situation with Deshaun Watson. And I think that's why I say when they when I say they owe it to their fan base, they need to say to these fans, we're doing everything that we can. Now, is Jimmy going to p- come in here and and light it up and and be amazing? Maybe not. But if you don't have him and you didn't try to get him, and it goes off the rails before Deshaun gets back, that's going to be bad (laughs) if you didn't make the attempt. You've got a starting quarterback out there. I think you at least need to show uh, that you have put forth the effort to try. And if you can just figure out a way to be five and six when Deshaun comes back, you got a chance in this new seven teams make the playoffs. Not every team that makes the playoffs is, they aren't all world beaters anymore. Yeah. You know, that, the AFC's tough, so we'll see. Maybe this is going to be a different year. But those West teams are going to beat up on each other. Yeah, like, we're we're mean, going like NFL preview mode here, but there's a chance. There's going to be a chance. I mean, like 2020 was a weird year. I don't. I wasn't covering the team that I don't remember what the Browns' exact record was. Where they were a lower seed despite the really good record. But look at last year, how much we talked about Pittsburgh yeah. and how bad they were, and they somehow made it in there with what, like nine, eight or nine, nine wins. It was, it was not seven and good. one, I think. Yeah, because they had the time there. Yeah. Um, so it is possible to make the playoffs anymore with nine wins, and, and depending on how the rest of the AFC shakes out. Okay, we just gave a whole segment to Josh Dobbs. We love you, Josh Dobbs, but that's what we're going to call that segment. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break, and then we'll do two more game balls uh, on the other side. I'm back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Irie Harris. Ashley, give us your game ball. Well, I'm very predictable, I feel like, at this point. I'm going to give it to Cade York. He made his first Energy Stadium debut in front of fans. I'll remind people once again, he has kicked here before. 
during the voluntary portion of the offseason. He hadn't been back in a little while because there have been concerts here and things like that, so the field wasn't usable. But he nailed a 50-yard field goal in his first try. Saw him nail a 61-yarder during warm-ups that I know I saw making the rounds on Twitter. Um, he kicked a nice 19-yarder. Very easy, easy work for him at the end of the first half. His only miss was a 55-yarder in the third quarter. Um, had the distance by far. He said he was actually happy with how he hit the ball. And that's so interesting for me, like from what we've heard from Kate York before. He can have a game like Jacksonville where he makes all his kicks, but he's not happy with how he hit it. And then has a day like today, and he's really happy with how he hit it, even though he missed a kick. Um, So I just think that speaks to his process, and I think he's kind of living up to the hype while also, like, this acknowledges there are, we've been trying to, I guess, temper expectations since he is a rookie, and there's a lot of weather issues in this stadium, but I think overall he showed why he's the right guy for this job, why they were willing to draft somebody to try and solve this problem finally. I I feel like... Somewhere on Irie's phone, there's a text message from somebody like, hey, how's your first week on the job going? And Irie's like, it's great, but they sure do love talking about kickers in here. I don't get it. Are, are, you, are you shocked how much we love our kickers here in Cleveland? I wish that I, I – respectfully, I really wish I say I, 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 I was. I really wish I could say that I am surprised, but at the same time I'm not because I've seen it myself whenever t- turning into Brown, Brown's game and just seeing uh, the pass kickers and their performance, so I get it. So when I, when he made that first field goal, it was 15 years, he would have thought Dobbs had a, a front flip into the end zone, <laughs> the way everybody stood up and just cheered for him. But I get it. I mean, this and this just kind of reminds people listening how important I mean the position of a kicker is. One week you can be the most hated, the next week you can be the most loved. They're just as important as anybody else on the field, even if they are only taking four steps per play. Um, you know, once in a while when we're taking a kick. But no, I definitely get it. He definitely was confident out there, and he's going to be all right. He's going to be good. Uh, definitely looking forward to even more long 50-yard field goals being made. Mary Kay, I, I mean, I'm almost to the point where I'm surprised when he misses, and he hasn't even kicked in a real game yet. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I think that uh, this was good today because he got to see a sudden change in the weather in Cleveland and how quickly it can turn from it seems like it's going to be one of the, the worst days ever and then before you know it the you know the sun peeks through the clouds a little bit and it's not a bad day the clouds and then um, you know the the turf had to be somewhat wet mm-hmm. so we don't know what the conditions were like out there he did he did talk about that oh, afterwards he? yeah okay, um, I didn't talk to him but you. yeah no when I talked to him he did bring up the turf and he was I forget exactly what he said but it was just basically about your cleats like he's like as long as you have yeah. the right cleats it's not that big of a deal or the like you're right your plant foot is good you're fine um, so that was interesting, but it was also interesting because I, I specifically asked him about the weather because I seem to remember during the voluntary portion of that offseason, we had a lot of really nice days. Um, but I had heard through the grapevine he had been like complaining, not complaining, but had brought up the wind here even then. Um, and he said today he actually felt like it was the best weather day he had because there wasn't much mm-hmm. wind. And I was trying to watch that flag. So I did think that was interesting that this really didn't seem to phase him. Like I think maybe I and maybe other people were expecting it would have. Yeah, and just as when we were arriving, it was absolutely pouring pregame. And they were taking the tarp off, and then it just poured after that. So I was wondering how, uh, you know, the field was going to drain and how, you know, that might impact things. But, you know, I... It's time for him to start getting used to what goes on here uh, in that regard, whether it's wet, whether it's wind, whether it's snow, ice, whatever the case may be. 
uh, but he does seem to have the right demeanor for this. And he seems to understand the, the wind thing because he, he's probably right. I don't know how windy it was, but it didn't strike me as real windy no. walking in. And we didn't see stuff like when it's real windy here, you see programs flying all over the place, was, food wrappers flying everywhere. It was it didn't seem super windy, and that's usually the real issue guys have. I looked at the flag, and I don't know. I forgot to look at the Dawson flag. It's still here, actually, so we should do that when we leave this room. But I looked at the American flag in the corner, and every time I looked over there, it wasn't blowing at all. So that maybe, maybe helped its case, I think, a little bit today. I wonder where First Energy Stadium lives. Um, if you ask uh, kickers, like, you know, 10 kickers, the worst place to kick at. I wonder where First Energy Stadium would list that, especially with it being right by the lake, the lake effect, the wind. I'm really curious on where that would list that. I would think it'd be up high with that, as much as we're talking about wind. It's, yeah. it's got to be tough. It's, it's, it's so got to be one of the highest for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The AFC North has some tough. Yeah. Pittsburgh is kind of notoriously tough, and Baltimore, the way that stadium's built, mm-hmm. it's tough. We're about to go into architect. We're going to turn this into an architecture <laughs> podcast real quick. Yeah, Buffalo. Well, he's going to have to kick in Buffalo he this is. year. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Irie, game ball. Game ball. First appearance, David Bell. <laughs> I mean, even prior to today, he was one of the best wide receivers that I had seen come to the Big Ten. Nobody else made six touchdowns in the season look look as good as he did during his, his time at Purdue. Uh, but regarding today, uh, he looked really good out there. In the first half, earlier in the game, there weren't as many looks for, for the first receivers, so he took advantage of that and was really given good blocks. That's honestly an underrated element when it comes to the game of a receiver. That's honestly how receivers are able to extend their playing time. Not only can they go out there and make the catch where they can block for their backs that are coming through a run create that extra space for them. But regarding his play, uh, he really has the hands. The only play that, that I wish I really was hoping it would have been caught was, toward, was uh, towards the end of the second series on that long, deep pass, I think, from Dobbs, and it hit his chest, and it was just hard to run because would, he would have been 4-for-4 four four on that. But he mm-hmm. was 3-for-4, four, three receptions, four targets, uh, 46 yards in total. I really liked a lot of what I've seen from him. Just great agility, just really confident out there, and it's only going to get bigger. I can't wait to see what his ceiling you know, will be. Mary Kay, he talked about that drop. He talked about that drop more than anything, I think, in the post game, And that, I think that sort of tells you where his head's at. Like, not in a bad way. It's just he, he has a high standard. Yeah, he does. And we've seen him catch mostly everything in practice going back uh, from when we were allowed to watch practices in OTAs. So he's done a really nice job so far. He did struggle a little bit in the first practice against the Eagles. He had a couple of drops there. And And when I asked him what did he learn about himself in those two practices and in this game, he did say that the speed is so much different than what he anticipated and what he had in college. So he's adjusting to the speed of the game, and that's important. Now he knows. Now he knows what he's up against. So I I think that's very key. He also admitted that on that drop that he was hearing the footsteps and he was looking at the defender Mm -hmm. instead of looking at the ball, and he learned a big lesson there. Uh, So those were all good things. Uh, But, he, you know, once again, I think he's got the right mindset to shake it off and move on. Yeah, Ashley, what did you think of Bell today? Yeah, that comment in the press conference was maybe the most interesting thing from him today for me, like despite everything he did on the field, because he recognized immediately why that play was a mistake. And I think that's part of the reason why the Browns just fell in love with him. Like we all know they thought they were getting 
potentially got steal with getting him where they did at 99 because the only reason they thought he fell as far as he did was because of that 40 time, which I think in his case maybe doesn't matter as much because he's always been a guy who has football speed, which I think we see that. But, you know, I think that's why it's so important for him to to get reps today when a lot of, you know, the main guys didn't play because he didn't get a chance to play in that Jacksonville game. He wasn't ready yet after the foot injury. And it's just so important for these rookies like that to learn by making those kind of mistakes. And it's great to do it in the preseason where it you know, let's be honest, it doesn't really matter a ton. <laughs> so, and, and he's learning from one of the best, mm-hmm. too. In a, so I just kind of randomly asked Amari Cooper about Anthony Schwartz on whatever whatever day Amari talked to him for no reason other than just to ask him. And he gave this really long answer about, like, the process of catching and, you know, everybody has – I just thought it was a really long, thoughtful answer. He almost sounded like a coach, and it, it just sort of struck me, like – Amari Cooper is really like the standard for this team and for these guys. And these guys, a lot of these guys have been growing up watching him play. Even though he's only 28 years old, he's been in the league since 2014. Is that right? So he's like the standard for these guys. And he really is like a lead by example guy, but he's going to be in that room with them, kind of just helping them along in the process. And I think, you know, I think we saw Anthony Schwartz bounce back a little bit this week after a tough game uh, in Jacksonville. And I just think David Bell, the more time he spends around Amari Cooper, once Deshaun Watson's back in the building and he's lockered next to him, the more time he spends working with Deshaun, he's going to be really good. I don't is, is he ever going to be like this dynamic number one receiver? I don't know, but he's going to be a really good receiver that catches a ton of footballs. Yeah, he really is, and, and you can see it. The lights are really coming on, and I think it's important to remember that when you suffer a stress fracture early on and you miss – a lot of the installation in the in the beginning of camp, it's hard for rookies to catch up. Same thing, even though Anthony Schwartz is, is just a second-year player, for him to miss a lot of the first part of camp too, I think that hurt him. When they both came back off of those injuries, they kind of, you know, they struggled a little bit at first. And now I think they're starting to get their sea legs a little bit, and I thought they helped themselves today. Okay, anything else? That's our, our three game balls. I'm not going to nominate one. I think we hit... All three of them. So I'm, that's my cop out. I'm like, uh, Corey Bohorquez. How, how about that? Because yeah. Ashley is writing about Corey. And I he am was, writing He was about holding Corey. today, so I guess yeah. he's the leader in the, well, in the punting battle. He's not only holding, I mean, he's been holding a lot, which Dan did note at practice on Friday. And like, I mean, we are, I'm like serious about this punting battle now. I do think these guys are interesting. Like, I mean, Corey Bohorquez has been in Buffalo the first three years of his career and was with Green Bay last year. Um, but we have noticed him holding for Cade York. Really, the only time I've noticed Joseph Charlton holding for Cade was when Corey was out for a couple days with a foot injury in training camp. But really nice guy. I enjoyed talking to him for the few minutes I got him one-on-one today. Yeah, and I'm looking at some defensive guys to make sure we didn't really forget anyone, and there wasn't a lot. Um, Herb Miller. Herb Miller could have been the guy we talked about he today. He was uh, so would have had about close. a 97-yard pick six, but uh, unfortunately he dropped it. Helping out our guy Gardner Minshew lock down that number two quarterback job in Philadelphia. All right, that'll do it for uh, our post-game edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Uh, just make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, rate and review us, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. We'll cover everything leading up to Saturday's preseason game against Chicago. It's going to be the dress rehearsal. So... There's actually going to be something to watch in that preseason game. It should be interesting. So uh, just get on board with all your subscriptions so you don't miss anything from us. For Mary Kay, Ashley, and Irie, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.